Welcome to the Unity Works Podcast, where we'll share positive insight on today's topical and sometimes controversial topics. The discussion is shaped through the lens of unity and acceptance while focusing on our community, families, and the workplace. Life works better when we come together. Here's your host, Daryl Ross. Hello and welcome to the Unity Works Podcast. So excited that you're here. I'm your host, Daryl Ross. Today, we're talking about unity in the music. I'm honored to be speaking with my friend Rob Pardoff. He's an Emmy-nominated composer for film, television, and live entertainment. Rob's compositions can be heard on projects from Disney, HDTV, the Hallmark Channel, and many more. Unity Works family, please welcome Mr. Rob Pardoff. Rob, how you doing, friend? I'm good, buddy. How you doing? It's so good to hear your voice. Hey, you too. First things first, uh, my best friend Eric Kidwell and you, you're the <laughs> only diehard Cincinnati Bengals fans that I know. You must be feeling good right now. Man, we were jumping up and down last <laughs> night. It was amazing. We waited since 2015 to even get to the playoffs. And, uh, you know, every year has just been such a big disappointment. As a Bengals fan, you have eternal optimistic hope, only, only to be shot to pieces about midway through the season. So this, this is great. We got Joe Burrow as a quarterback. We've got great receivers. You know, Jamal Chase, who's just a phenom. It's Man, it's great. I'm a musician, but I'm a diehard sports fan. Oh, I know. I saw you on Facebook, and this I've learned the hard way. I text Eric. It's probably five years ago. You guys were going for a drive against Pittsburgh. Yeah. It was pretty obvious you were going to win the game. So I made the big mistake. I text him in advance to say, hey, congrats. You finally beat this. <laughs> and as I hit send, I think you guys fumbled. They stole the ball. As go as, okay, never again. I will never speak until the game's over. Well, you know, as a Bengals fan, you always wait for the last 30 seconds. And if you're up by 50 points, you may have a chance. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, look, hey, dig into your career. I think it's so fascinating. I mean, I know everyone knows what a composer is, but even myself, like, I kind of want to share with the audience, how does it work? So you're hired to compose or score some music. What happens? Does a studio send you a script or clips? How, how do you compose the music? Well, most of the time I, I get a script um, when a director or producer calls me and says, hey, we would like you to do this film. Um, my first question is, is there a script that I can read? And uh, so they send that to me. I like to read the script because in my mind, reading a script, I can actually visualize and create my own world. And that gives me an idea of what the story or the film is going to be about. Um, so I read through the script first, get an idea. I base my decision on whether to do the film by reading the script and, like I said, getting a feel for what, what the story is about. Um, from that point, uh, after we get all the contractual stuff and everything else done, um, I usually get uh, a director's cut, which is usually a long gated version of the film that I can watch. And uh, from that, I'll get some revisions and then they'll do a final. It's called Lock Picture meaning that is the final version of the film. I'm not going to change any frames or any scenes or anything like that. It's, it's the final version of the film. That's what I get before I start uh, scoring. And once I get that film, then I have what's called a spotting session with the director and the producer. 
And, you know, with technology these days, in the old days, you either had to come here to the studio or I had to fly to wherever they are and we'd sit and we'd watch the film. Well, now we can do it, you know, online. Uh, Zoom is a great thing that's that's ever been invented. Uh, and when you spot the film, you basically sit there and the director says, okay, starting at frame one, uh, we want music in here. And then at one minute, 33 seconds, I want music out. And what I'm thinking is that this music will be very dramatic or, you know, or action packed or whatever, whatever he decides. And I'm making notes during this whole time and I mark in points and out points. So I know in my timeline where the music needs to come in and where it needs to go out. Um, now part of that, my responsibility is not just to write the music. They're hiring me for my quote unquote expertise as far as putting music to media. And if he says, you know, I think this scene here where the fight scene is, I think it should be very exciting and dramatic. And, and if I look at that and say, you know what, why don't we score against picture? Uh, meaning doing something completely unrelated to what's going on screen. Uh, why don't we do something that's very kind of low key because you have a lot of slow motion going on in the scene. So I give him my ideas, but I always preface that by saying, now I'm going to give you my ideas, but at the end of the day, you're the skipper of the ship. And if you want it done the other way, I will do that. But it's my responsibility as your composer to give you those ideas and, and other alternatives for you to think about. But once again, this is your boat. You're the skipper. If you want action, I'll write action. So that's kind of the process. And you go through the entire film, you mark all your ins and out points where the cues are going to, where my music's going to come in and go out. And, uh, and then at the end of that, they basically say, okay, start sending me demos. And what I will do is when I get a cue written, um, I will run that off with the portion of the video and then send that to them for them to make notes or to review or, or whatever they're going to do uh, to let me know if, if it works or not, or if I need to make changes or things of that nature. So that that's kind of the whole process. Once you get through the entire film and they sign off on all the cues and everything, uh, if it's done what I call completely in the box, meaning in the computer, I mix everything down, uh, stem everything out. What stems mean is, that I give them a track of just strings, a track of just brass, a track of just percussion, so on and so forth. So that way their layback engineer in their studio with the film, he can do any minor adjustments they may uh, need. For example, if there's an action scene and you've got big taiko drums, the director may say, you know, there's a lot of explosions and I'd like to hear those drums. Well, you don't want to bring the entire track up. Now they can just bring up the drums a little bit. So it's a it's a whole balancing dancing act between post production and me and the director and it's it, yeah it's like I said it's it's a team effort. That is so fascinating and so detail oriented. I'm thinking about your lovely wife. You can't forget a grocery item now, can you? You you can score <laughs> an entire film. If you come home and forget the milk, she's like, oh, you can score the entire film and not forget the trumpet? <laughs> I'm Wait, like, have, you, have, you been, have you been listening in on our conversations? <laughs> I can only imagine. Hey, so I got to ask you about your studio. Is it in your house, in your basement? Yeah. Yeah, we have a finished basement. And uh, when the kids were still at home, I had a small room here in the back that I was in. And, but the minute everybody left for college, I went, daddy's home. We're taking over. So uh, completely rebuilt uh, the studio down here, 
Uh, I have a 15 by 15 vocal booth that I can, if I need to put an entire drum kit, I can do that in there. But it's uh, for the vocal booth, and then the rest of the studio is out here in the main room, complete with a fireplace. Oh, here you go. I thought so. And I actually, and by the way, gang, I put the link for Rob's website in the description. You got to check it out. You'll see some images, not only of his studio, but him composing and working with some other artists. But I mentioned it to you, Rob, because I showed my son, he's 14, your studio. And he yeah. goes, wow, I can play Xbox down there. <laughs> I was like, yeah, uh, yeah I, I always joke. I said, it's kind of the ultimate man cave. It is. That's what I was getting at. Like, I was like, well, son, you need some musical talent first to go down there. But yeah, it does. For those of you thinking, man, be great to work in your own house. I mean, picture you wake up, you get your coffee, you go downstairs into this completely state-of-the-art professional studio. It, it's fantastic. So I had to ask you about that. To, next time I'm yeah. in your neck of the woods, I got to go pop by that. Absolutely, man. Doors always open. So I'm going to tell the folks how you and I first met. So we both work through Paramount Parks. And for, if you're not familiar with that area, gang, I uh, think there's a theme park similar size, say Six Flags in Carolina called Carowinds. I worked in Virginia, King's Dominion, many of my friends. Rob worked up at the mothership, we call it, in King's Island, Cincinnati. And obviously you were heavily involved with the production of music back then as well. But, you know, I just found out as ironically we're hanging out at Eric's house, I was privileged enough to do a USO tour for the military and... I'm not sure if you did all of it, but at least one section of our tour was a medley that you put together. Let me explain this to the listeners. If you are stationed overseas as military, you can watch television. It's usually on AFN, the Armed Forces Network. So they edit out all the commercials. So you'll watch the programming, but no TV commercials. Well, you end up missing that. And it's kind of fun. So, Robin, you're genius. You put together a medley of music of all American television commercials. And I got to tell you, it was the biggest hit of our USO tour. The troops loved it, wanted us to do it again. So how did you create that? What made you think about doing that? I plop, plop, fizz, fizz when I'm sick. And when I'm bored, I flick my bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, what's funny about that, Daryl, is that I did a USO tour long before you did because I like you, I was a performer in the theme parks and uh, I ended up doing a USO tour. This is when I was in my early twenties. And uh, I actually, we actually did that medley on tour also because I had, I had sang that medley for my audition piece when I auditioned for Kings Island. Wow. <laughs> so that thing has been around for a while, but uh, yeah. So it was just, you know, I wrote songs my entire life. I mean, I started playing ukulele. My my parents got me a toy ukulele when I was five years old. And uh, that was the beginning of the end. And uh, so, you know, I went from playing a toy ukulele. I was supposed to play in church one Sunday and there was a little cordomatic on it and it broke. So then I actually had to learn to play it. And uh, once I learned to play that, my mom, dad got me a regular a wooden ukulele. I started growing. They put me into a baritone uke, which is a little bigger. And then I got my first guitar, I think, when I was eight, seven or eight. And uh, then I started writing music when I was nine. And the way I started writing music is that when I was a kid, Alphabets, which is a serial, uh, at that time, the Archies, which is a cartoon. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the Archies had a tune out called Sugar, Sugar. Sugar, honey, honey. Well, that was the Archies. Well, in those days, they would print uh the 45 
plastic record on the back of the cereal box. Well, I love that song, and I, but I hated alphabets, but I conned my parents into buying a box of alphabets, you know, promising that I would eat it, which I never did. But I got it, and I cut the record out on the back, and I ran into my bedroom, and I put it on the little record player, and I listened to it, listened, and I was sitting there, I thought, that doesn't sound too hard. So I wrote my first song because of the Archie's Sugar Sugar, and, uh, and yeah, that's how the whole thing started. That's awesome. I know a lot of people out there who are looking at going into business for themselves. And I'm always in awe and I think it's fantastic. I'm a big supporter of small business. And in 1999, you made the leap to go out on your own. So what was it like? Was it with the, you know, the phone ringing? Were you struggling? How, how'd it go your first couple of years? I knew that I wanted to score movies and television and, and do all that. And I had been with Paramount Parks for 11 years on staff. And I basically had done everything that I could possibly do. So it was just one of those decisions that I went, it's now or never. And so Anthony Esparza, who was my, he was the senior vice president of entertainment with uh, um, Paramount Parks, who's still a dear friend of mine uh, to this day. Actually, we just talked two days ago. And uh, I went into his office and I said, I've made a decision um, and I'm going to resign. And he just looked at me and said, oh, well, they, is there anything we can? I said, no, because I really want to pursue film and television, this and that. And he said, well, what if we promote you <clears throat> to a vice president, vice president's uh, position? And I just looked at him and I said, Anthony, come on, you're a creative. Do I want to sit behind a desk and push a pencil and papers around while I watch everyone else having fun being creative? And I said, no, no, thanks. That's that's OK. And he totally understood. And uh, I ended up actually working, you know, some other jobs for them after I resigned. But uh, the first year out, uh, from a business standpoint, I actually doubled my salary. Awesome. So it was it was an easy transition for me. Um, was it still scary? Yeah, absolutely, because you're leaving a 401k and medical and all this other stuff, you know, to go out for a pipe dream. You know, and I look back on those times and I'm like, hey, what do you want to do with your life? I want to be a film composer. Okay, I'm going to leave my job. <laughs> what, what kind of idiot would do that? But, you know, I always tell everybody, thank God it worked out, because if it didn't, I'd be sleeping in a cardboard box under an overpass somewhere. I feel you. You know what? I, I think the title of this episode is so perfect, not just for you, for many people, because I believe that we all have a soundtrack to our life. I think music really runs through the ups and downs of your life. And it's quite obvious. You can think where you were when you heard that song, when you saw that movie. And sometimes we're going through difficult seasons in our life. And as great as some things have been for you, you've had some struggle as well. So 18 years ago was that time for you. I always, it's kind of funny. I was writing you earlier saying you have all this creative music in your brain, but something else was going on in your brain. Share with the listeners what happened. Yeah, I was uh, I, I was actually at that time, this was at the end of 2003, just before Thanksgiving, um, <clears throat> I was scoring an animated series called Hermie and Friends which, with Tim Conway and Don Knotts. And uh, it was a Friday evening, and I had a string session. I was recording live strings for this on a Monday, so I was getting charts ready. I was writing charts out. And I had been experiencing some you know, migraine headaches and gait problems and this and that. And so my uh, practitioner, my GP doctor, uh, had scheduled an MRI for me. And in 2003, there really wasn't an MRI on every street corner. So I didn't get scheduled in until 9 p.m. on that Friday. 
uh, that same week. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to write until I have to go down there and then I'll get my MRI and I'll come back and I'll finish up this weekend and get ready for Monday's recording session. Well, I went down and they threw me in the MRI and they came out and basically they said, do not pass go, do not collect $200, go straight to emergency. And that's, that's what happened. And, um, I remember, uh, standing in the, uh, in the ER and my neurosurgeon, Dr. Tony Asher, who I'm dear friends with to this day now, because basically this guy saved my life. Um, he walks in and I had two friends that had met me at the hospital <clears throat> and I'm kind of leaning on the, uh, on the gurney, the table there in the emergency. And he walks in and I'm in a black leather coat, black t-shirt, jeans, and cowboy boots, black cow, uh, lizard skin cowboy boots. And he walks in and he looks at me and then he looks at my two friends and he looks back at me and he goes, okay, well, I'm assuming, and he held up the, uh, the x-rays or the MRIs. And he said, I'm assuming by this, that, this is you, but by the looks of these, you really shouldn't be standing right now. And he just kind of smiled. And, uh, and, he, and I looked at him. He said, no, that's a good thing. And he's popped him up on the thing. And I looked at the, the uh, MRI scans, and there was this big, big thing about the size of an, a small orange is what it was. And I always tell this story, and it makes no sense. But it, for some reason, at that very moment, as I'm looking and he's explaining everything and it was sort of like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. I just, you know, it was going in one ear and out the other, but I'm looking at the scan, you know, doc, I, I really don't have any questions, but I got to be honest with you. I need this. Like I need a hole in the head. And I just started kind of laughing. He just kind of looked, he took him back a little bit. And I said, Hey, I'm just joking. I said, uh, I said, I'll be here all week. And he smiled. I go, no, really, I will be here all week. And then uh, he said, we talked a little bit and I go, I, I just have one question for you. And he said, what's that? I said, just look me in the eye and tell me, are we going to have fun with this or not? And he just kind of half smiled. And he said, yeah, we'll have fun with this. I said, okay, then let's do this. So my decision at that point was I had, I had two choices. I could either totally freak out and just lose it because I have a brain tumor and I don't know if I'm going to survive or I can meet this head on with a little bit of courage, a little bit of grace and a whole lot of humor. And that's what I decided to do. And so from that point forward, it was about taking each day, finding the good in each day, deciding what I had to overcome that that particular day and just have a sense of humor about everything. And that's basically what what got me through it. But my thing that I always tell everybody, especially other brain tumor people that are facing this is that you know what you've just got to meet it head on meet it head on laughter is the best medicine in the entire universe and i'm living proof of that uh the other thing that i will say too is my faith has always been a strong point in my life ever since i was nine years old and uh, you know that daily prayer that i that i prayed uh, that got me through it too so faith and laughter there you go simple as that that is amazing. I was literally getting chills listening to that because you've got so much, you're probably running through your head, and I love how you kind of faced it. And I think you probably gave the doctor confidence that you're going to be not only a compliant patient, but one of courage and faith. And I, I would only imagine if you're a doctor or a physician, you want a patient like you 
who can have, have some fun with it and at least uh, acknowledge, although it's serious, I'm going to meet this head on. So thank you for sharing that, friend. I mean, that's amazing. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, since then, look, you know, you've been blessed. Your health's been really good. And the Emmy nomination comes in. And that's got to be, I mean, I'm looking at that on your website going, how fun is that? So when, first of all, what was the project and how'd they tell you, how'd you hear about that? Well, it was a film called um, I Am Patrick with John Reese davies I had gotten a cold call from a director that I had never worked with before and actually didn't know who he was at the time. And he called me and said, uh, I'm, you've been recommended to me. I'm doing a film with John Reese davies called I Am Patrick. It's on uh, basically the life of, of St. Patrick of Ireland. And I said, oh, I would love to do that because, you know, my, my heritage is, is German-Irish, mostly Irish. And I said, you know, it would be great. So we talked about it. He had already had another composer in mind, but I came highly recommended to him. So he went ahead and gave me a call. So I sent him some pieces to listen to. And he said, I'll get back to you with a decision. I hadn't heard from him in a couple of weeks, so I sort of threw it off. Uh, Two weeks later, he calls me and said, hey, it's Jared again. I just wanted to let you know that I would love for you to do this film. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. It was supposed to open, March 17th was when it was supposed to open in theaters. Well, the day before it was to open, all the theaters, AMC, you know, all of them, Regency, they all closed the day before it was to open. And, you know, both Jared and I were just devastated. It's like, are you kidding me? Because, I mean, this is all shot on location in Ireland and and John Rhys-Davies. It's a big film. And it just didn't open. And uh, so this is where you go, you know what? God has a plan, right? Well, a few months later, he called me and said, hey, listen, since this did not open up in theaters, it is eligible for us to enter in for the daytime Emmys. And I went, oh, okay, cool. And he said, we're going to uh, also enter the, the film score. I'm like, that's great. And, you know, you think, well, that's nice. That's nice. Didn't think anything more about it. Months and months and months and months later. It was morning, and I saw his name come up on my phone. He goes, I just wanted to call and be the first to congratulate you on your Emmy nomination for I Am Patrick. And I went, what? Right. He said, yeah, yeah. He said, the film has been selected for an Emmy and your film score for best uh, music composition and music direction. And it just blew me away. And all I could do was just start laughing. That's all I did. And uh, yeah, and I just went, I can't believe this. This is, this is incredible. Well, and, and the thing is, if it would have opened up in theaters, it would not have been eligible for an Emmy for the, for the daytime Emmys. But because it didn't and it streamed, now it was eligible. So, you know, you always got to you always got to take everything with a grain of salt. When when bad things happen, you go, okay, there's got to be a reason for this. And yeah, and so that was the reason we were nominated for an Emmy. And it looks like that it's going to be in theaters early next year, probably March 17th again, but don't quote me on that. Yeah, you got it. So I, that first thought is so exciting. And I, I think it's just amazing all you've gone through. You still laughed, right? You laugh when yeah. you kind of would go through a struggle. You laugh when things are going great. But can you now watch a movie or a TV production, especially the one that you've scored, 
and enjoy the movie still. You know what I mean? Like you have to be wondering, hey, that's that that horn line I created. You know, <laughs> can you actually enjoy it? <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. The reason I wanted to score a film was, you know, sitting in the darkened theater back in 1983, I guess it was, or 1982, whatever it was, when E.T. came out. And it came to that end section where E.T., you know, holds his finger up. And uh, John Williams is a huge hero of mine, uh, obviously, for, you know, the, the amount of, of music that he's written. But for the fact that that piece, that scene and that then that score was was the impetus for me to say, I have to do this. That's awesome. Hey, and I know you probably have a lot of projects on the fire, but can you at least tell us what's on the horizon? If you can talk about it, what would we look forward to from you coming up this next couple of years? Yeah, uh, this year um, I've got two films. I did a film for the Silver Linings uh, Pictures called uh, Magic Max, a little romantic comedy. It's very funny and cute. And they're, they've got two more films on the docket that I'm on, one called The Land Beyond Belief, which is a combination of live action and animation, CGI. And it's a fantasy, just, you know, great family uh, type of film. And the other film is Hidden Dragon. And that was that one I'm so excited about because I haven't had very many like true action adventures. And this is a full action adventure film. And, you know, get the big Tycos out because I'm excited to do this one. So those are the two films that I'm I'm really looking forward to. Um, there's other, you know, films and, and things that are that are on my page. Uh, we'll see if they get made. But these two, they look very promising. So we'll see. And then I consistently do work for Disney. And uh, I can't say what this particular project is, but I can say uh, if you do a Disney cruise, um, there's a show that will be on there that I've done. Come on. I know I'm I'm in Orlando and tons of our friends are constantly cruising. And although my wife and I both worked on cruise ships, back in the day we have not been back with the kids so that's our goal and it will be a disney cruise so i can't wait i'll wait until you give me the thumbs up but that's that's awesome yeah man it was a fun show to write i it was about a four and a half month long uh, venture to to write this show but and we just recorded everything what uh, last month actually so uh yeah so it, it's gonna be cool though it's gonna be cool that is so awesome. Hey, Rob, you know, thank you so much for being here. I know a fact that the Unity Works family is really digging this episode. So, gang, for more information on Rob, check out his website, rpmusic.com, and his YouTube channel. Both of those I put in the description. Hope you all enjoyed this episode. Rob, thank you for being here, friend. Daryl, I appreciate it. Thanks for asking me. I'm honored. Hey, folks, please hit subscribe and share with a friend. Life works better when we come together. Talk to you next week.